Welcome to PSQH the podcast. I'm your host Jay Kumar, editor-in-chief of PSQH. On this episode I talked to Dr. Alexander Sa about the growth of the ambulatory surgery center market. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Dr. Alexander Sa. Uh, we're going to talk about the growth of the ambulatory surgery center market. Welcome Dr. Sa. Thank you, Jay. Pleasure to be here. So I wanted to start things off, I guess, by having you tell me a little bit about yourself and, uh, you know, uh, what you've been doing. Sure. I'm an orthopedic surgeon based in Fremont, California, just uh, south of San Francisco. been here since 2008, and I specialize in hip and knee replacement. I've uh, been doing that since about 2008. Uh, medical co-director of the Institute for Joint Restoration in Fremont, where we do some of the highest volume of hip and knee replacement uh, in Northern California. Been involved with some of our national uh, so- societies, like the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons and American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons. Uh, try to stay academic with our research presentations uh, yearly and uh, giving lectures and, and educating other surgeons on advances in hip and knee replacement, but also in outpatient joint replacement, which has been a growing trend in recent years. Uh, so very uh, germane to the discussion on ambulatory surgery centers. Yeah. So I guess let's start things off by uh, if you could tell us, you know, a little bit about the current state of the uh, ASC market. Sure. So surgery centers have been around for decades, as we're all well aware, and typically they've been doing more straightforward procedures like plastic surgery or ophthalmology or uh, typical straightforward general surgery cases. But in recent years in our field, Things like total hip replacement, total knee replacement have slowly been migrating to the ambulatory surgery center. And a lot of this is because of better surgical techniques, better pain management strategies, quicker rehab so that people could be going home hours after a total joint replacement rather than days later, like traditionally. And so with this migration, procedures that used to be only done on the inpatient side in the main hospital are now able to be done at surgery centers. And with that, there's been a tremendous growth of these elective joint replacement procedures in ASCs. And obviously, uh, you know, the pandemic, uh, you know, led to a lot of, I guess, things that you would normally go to be to the hospital for uh, to be done you know, at outpatient, uh, you know, sort of to, to spread things out. How did uh, the ASC market grow during the pandemic? That's exactly right, Jay. So the pandemic basically accelerated the transition of procedures to ambulatory surgery centers probably many fold. So what was gradually occurring anyway on its own course basically got sped up because of the pandemic. The reason is that during the pandemic, as people remember, we were uncertain over what the caseload would be in the main hospitals in regards to uh, cases of COVID. And so in order to prepare for what may come, hospitals were postponing or even eliminating elective cases mm-hmm. just to have beds available and staffing available to take care of these potential COVID cases. So because of that, the only area where you could do surgeries were surgery centers where, where you were not taking up a hospital bed. And so what happened was a lot of cases, a lot of people who wanted to have surgery during the pandemic opted to have it done in a surgery center so they could have their surgery safely and then go home and recover at home. And and what that showed is how safely it can be done. And so that really motivated a lot of surgeons as well as patients to take their cases to the ambulatory surgery center. And so the growth, uh, which was already projected 
to be over 50% of total joints to be at outpatient centers, you know, in, in the, in 2025, 20, that it, it ramped up even more than that. So surgeons that were never considering outpatient joints were suddenly doing them. Just patients who weren't considering going home same day were now doing them. And, and basically what it showed is that it can be done safely with the right protocols in place. Um, and, and do you feel that um, a lot of those procedures that, you know, I guess previously were done in hospitals will, you know, probably won't go back since it now works so well, you know, on an outpatient basis instead? I think the, the the patients who are appropriate for it, it will definitely continue to to be done at surgery centers. This is similar to an ACL reconstruction. We're all very we're all very familiar with that surgery, and that historically was an inpatient surgery when it, right. when it first began. But then, as techniques improve, that's now routinely an outpatient uh, surgery. Total joint replacement only in the recent years has been accepted to be done on an outpatient basis, and so those patients that can do it safely and are medically appropriate, it will continue to be done there. But there are going to be some patients, obviously, with that patient population where they have medical comorbidities or they don't have home support or they have other issues in recovery where they'll have to be done in the main hospital just for safety reasons. But for the majority of patients who are healthy, they will most likely be able to be done uh, on a same-day basis, either in a surgery center or even going home the same day from the main hospital. And this is kind of, you know, been a trend anyways, right, with with healthcare that, you know, they, they want to get you, you know, out of the hospital as quickly as possible, you know, for various reasons, uh, you know, and so it's kind of been even when you've been going into a hospital for a procedure, you know, you're usually not going to stick around too long unless there are some other issues going on. Um, so it kind of makes sense that it, you know, things are kind of moving in this direction, correct? That That is the trend. You are right, Jay, simply because things that don't need hospital resources. You don't want to have to do a surgery there if you don't have to. Sicker people are in the hospital. There's higher rates of getting infections from being in the hospital. There are risks and complications of people staying in the hospital. So what what we have seen is that when people are in a surgery center, surgeries can be done well, equally as well as the main hospital. Things can be even potentially more efficient because you don't have emergencies and other things that potentially in the main hospital that could delay cases. You can have very uh, concentrated care because you can set up your teams. You have a little bit more freedom to set up, uh, um, you know, uh, specific uh, teams to help you with your procedures. And so there are some liberties and some freedoms that you have in a surgery center that are harder to navigate in the main hospital. And of course, it's less expensive for the healthcare system. Mm. So patients can have equally good and safe surgery if it can be done in a less expensive way and patients are recovering faster and and they're happier and they're recovering in their own home in their own bed as opposed to as opposed to a hospital really everyone can potentially win how is this uh contrast with sort of when you got started in sort of the way things worked back then like how is sort of uh you know the ambulatory side of things changed uh you know over the decades so when I was back in training, it was really taboo to, to be sending people home same day as surgery. So I happened to work with one of the pioneering surgeons in fellowship who was doing this back in the you know, mid-2000s. And people really thought it was somewhat, uh, somewhat on the wild side. And, mm-hmm. and people were basically saying it, it shouldn't be done even on some extremes. But it's, it's amazing. If you look at today, now all those surgeons who are saying it shouldn't be done are probably doing outpatient joints. And now it's widely accepted 
uh, across the country. So things have changed dramatically just in terms of what's accepted as uh, appropriate for total hip and total knee replacement and for uh, the ASC's growth in general. Uh, it's just incredible to see how many surgeons are now invested there and committed to giving good patient care there because they've seen the benefits, uh, as mentioned before, in terms of more streamlined processes and more dedicated staff and protocols to the particular uh, procedure that they're doing and, and potentially better outcomes for patients. Um, and then talk a little bit about sort of, you know, some of the, the other uh, positive byproducts, which are, you know, uh, a decline in readmission rates and, you know, post-surgical complication rates. Sure. So as we mentioned, there are some risks of doing procedures within main hospitals. Again, you patients can pick up infections from others. They can uh, have uh, slower recoveries. They can have higher readmission rates. And so you'll see that in the literature that uh, often depending on what the volume is of the hospital, what the volume is of that surgeon, patient outcomes can vary greatly on where they have the procedure. So uh, these these orthopedic procedures are migrating more to specialty type programs, whether they're hospitals or ASCs, where really they can have dedicated programs to provide the best uh, and most streamlined care possible. Um, so, where do you see things going for the uh, the ambulatory market? Surgery centers are going to continue continue to grow. They're they're springing up everywhere. I think the key is to keep them uh, where they are, which is cost savings and to continue to have excellent outcomes. Certainly, nobody wants to have a surgery at a surgery center if you lose that. So you don't want to compromise uh, patient safety, patient outcomes, uh, or like you said, do something in a way that leads to higher readmission rates or ER visits or things like that. That's really, that's the primary goal is, is patient safety and patient outcomes. So as long as it can be done well, then hopefully we, we can unburden the hospital systems with, with uh, patients bouncing back to ERs and readmissions after these surgical cases. Um, and, and how do you, you know, how does that sort of happen? Do you, is it more, more oversight or is it just kind of better procedures? How do you kind of ensure that, you know, even with rapid growth of you know, ambulatory surgery centers, uh, you know, that the, the high level of quality is maintained? That's a tricky question, and, and I think a lot is involved. I think a lot of it is oversight. I think first off is, is surgeons really have to assess their own abilities, uh, not only what they can do, but what their patient population can do. And that may vary ge uh, geographically. It, it may vary about, about what patients are coming through your door. It might be very different than your colleague who's somewhere else across the country because some, some surgeons are just frankly better at performing surgery or people can recover faster and, and and uh, go home quickly. For example, with a total joint, for some surgeons, they can do it in an hour or less. For some surgeons, it takes them two hours or more. And if, if you're highly variable in how you perform the surgery or what your outcomes are, if it takes a, a long time and it's unpredictable, those patients are less likely to have a predictable outcome. And so they might not be uh, applicable for same-day discharges or ASC. So I think surgeons need to be honest with themselves and understand if they're capable of doing such things there's a lot of work involved to have these patients go home same day. I think the tendency is people think it's less work because you're mm -hmm. with the patient for fewer hours, but it's actually much, much more work. There's much more planning done on the, on the before surgery side. There's much more 
follow-up needed on the after side and a lot of protocols that have to be just right to perform the surgery safely. So it's more work. And so surgeons, number one, have to be honest with themselves that they're able. And then secondly, I think that the programs need to really assess and, and monitor outcomes and see if, if things are not going as well as they, they expect. You, you, you can't think that just because you perform a surgery under the roof of a surgery center that everything is going to go great and everyone's going to go home. You have to make sure you're really doing it correctly from the beginning. Um, did the pandemic and sort of the, the precautions that you had to take, did they change radically, uh, you know, during the last two years, just in terms of, you know, obviously infection control or were, were they already, you know, pretty high just because of, you know, what you were doing it, you know, that you didn't have to necessarily take, you know, that many more precautions? With joint replacement, we're very uh, specific in what kind of patients will take the operating room. They have to be medically optimized. We obviously are very concerned about infections. We do everything we can to prevent post-operative infections. And so we already have very strict criteria on what kind of patients will even get to the operating room and the protocols around the operating room. So patients, again, have to be medically optimized. There are various precautions that are taken around surgery, such as perioperative antibiotics and often uh, cleaning the skin before surgery and all the sterile techniques, whether it's UV lights or laminar flow or sterile hoods, various techniques are used uh, to minimize the chance of infection, really. So in that regard, things didn't change dramatically, but really the biggest change was that all of these patients now had to be COVID screened before surgery. Mm -hmm. And so Things, things changed during the pandemic about when to do that test, what test was acceptable. And so that was somewhat of a challenge because people are trying to do home tests, but those may or may not be reliable. Patients were doing various PCR tests, at various sites that wasn't very reliable and getting the test in on time. So the biggest challenge was getting that standardized because people often travel a great ways to go to their right. surgeon. And so if they're four hours away, how do they get that test at a reliable location? So you know, that added a whole nother level of coordination, not just when the surgery is or where to go, but now how do you get your lab work? How do you get your, but now another layer of how do you get your pre-op COVID test? But I think patients, I think patients are now just accepting of that because that's become a way of life right, the right. past couple of years. Yeah. I imagine it was difficult early on when tests were a little harder to get or, or, you know, it was a little more uh, involved in, in getting one and getting it done in time and all that kind of stuff. So it must have been more of a challenge early on, right? Oh, there's no doubt. So there there have been wonderful things of one-hour tests and rapid tests, but early on those did not exist and right. they're very infrequent. So if someone, what often would happen would someone would get their test and the result wouldn't make it to us in time. So even though they had it, you know, we couldn't proceed with surgery. They wouldn't even let them in the hospital until they had a negative test or uh, people would try to show up and, and we would want to use a rapid test, but just didn't have enough supplies or they needed to be used on the main floor of the hospital. So uh, just having availability was challenging, but it has slowly kind of normalized, I believe. Um, with, you know, with the growth of amatory surgery centers, how much does um, scheduling play into kind of keeping things uh I guess under control. I mean, I, I imagine that, you know, there's a temptation to take on a lot of cases, but, uh, you know, uh, I think as you were, you were talking about, you know, you have to make sure that, you know, everything is, the conditions are right and, and, you know, you don't, you're not uh, taking on too many patients. So how, how does that, how does scheduling play into sort of, you know, uh, the growth and, and the controlling the growth even of uh, ASCs? 
think people are very eager to move cases to the surgery centers and and some of it's for financial benefit some of it's just for wanting to move them out of the hospital or other motivations mm-hmm. but i think what you say is true that people need to be cautious in how they do that migration like i said the surgeons themselves need to make sure they can do it safely the programs need to make sure that their staff is able because many of these ASCs have only done ophthalmology and plastic surgery. They've never seen the equipment and the saws and the hammers and the other implants needed for a total joint replacement. So adoption should be cautious. It should be slow because you want to make sure you're, again, having the patient's priority of safety and outcomes be number one. Otherwise, the risk is that surgeons have complications there. Surgeons go over time and staff is staying later. And again, you have to get these people home. So if that surgeon schedules four cases and it takes them two hours a case, you, you can't have someone trying to recover and go home at eight o'clock at night from a surgery center. So the goal is to be as efficient as possible and, and have the best outcomes possible. And it's okay to do that in a, in a graduated fashion. Um, much of the healthcare industry has been dealing with, I guess, uh, an issue that society in general is dealing with, which is, uh, you know, a shortage of workers. Um, and certainly workforce retention has been a big issue, especially the last couple of years. It's just been so, uh, overwhelming for a lot of folks, especially in the healthcare industry. But uh, are you seeing those kinds of issues with uh, ambulatory surgery centers as well, in terms of you know uh, getting good staff and holding on to them? Uh, you know, how, how how have you seen that on, on that end? Staffing has undoubtedly been a challenge during the pandemic, and I think some healthcare workers are simply just fed up having to deal with COVID patients and and other uh, things associated with it, and so. Many have retired, many of them changed jobs, many have left and just not come back. And so there has been a challenge uh, having enough staff. So that's really a critical aspect of current healthcare is what does the staff of that program, uh, what do they have and what's their availability? I have some colleagues across the country where they've told me they've had patients drive up to their ASC ready for surgery and the ASC had to tell them that morning, we can't do your case because we don't have enough staff that showed up today. So it's, it's, it's been that that's chaotic and unpredictable. But hopefully things will settle out. Uh, our program's been fortunate that we've had a very committed staff and and knock on wood, we haven't run into that problem. But for sure, my colleagues across, across the country have had to do things like cancel cases or limit the number of cases per day simply because they did not have the staff to handle handle the surgery, which is obviously a major problem, not only for the patients, but for that particular hospital system in terms of losing revenue in cases and having empty ORs. Right. And then you've got to hope that you've got a pipeline of, you know, new uh, people coming up, you know, going to school and coming in into, uh, you know, these uh, these careers, uh, which I know is also kind of I think the nursing schools and and some of the other uh, medical schools have definitely seen some challenges getting, you know, getting folks to actually, you know, go into those lines of work. That's right. The healthcare industry is very challenging. I don't know if the public really understands the stress that the pandemic has put on them. And when you read in the paper about some hospital staff, they're just walking out on the job because right. they're tired of taking care of these people. They're tired of putting themselves at risk and their families at risk. It's unfortunate. I think we take a lot of our first, you know, first line workers for granted and just always expect them to be there. But for two years for these people to be putting their own health and their family's health at risk is a lot to ask. Yeah, definitely. Um, Wanted to ask about uh, sort of clinical communication uh, along the continuum of care. You know, as more cases are coming to uh, outpatient settings like ambulatory surgery centers, uh, how can that communication improve 
uh, for things like patient handoffs and medication reconciliation. So you bring up a good point there, Jay. As, as people are leaving surgery sooner, as they're at home sooner, instead of having their care by a nurse in the main hospital or, or some other professional, a therapist where they're recovering, now they're at the care of their spouse. Right. And they may be elderly. They may be, maybe they're just under the care of a friend or a sibling. How do you make sure that they have the protocols in place to A, be safe and B, recover well? And that, that lends itself to what I was mentioning before, that this is more work, not less work. Just because the patients are out of sight doesn't mean they're out of mind. You have to educate them before surgery to know what to have and prepare for. You need to make sure that patients uh, take a um, active role in their recovery so that they know how to do things that otherwise were done for them when they were staying in the hospital. So it's more communication, not less. And that's, that's often where, where people are confused and think that surgery centers are easier and less work and outpatient surgeries uh, quicker and, and an easier lifestyle. Not necessarily, you really have to invest the time and effort to make the program be successful. And so communication is key. People are filling those voids, if you will, with various technologies, whether it's web-based or perhaps app-based methods. There are virtual phone calls and Zoom calls. The pandemic has helped surgeons and patients gravitate toward that level of communication, which I think has been helpful so that it does help fill some of the voids when these people are home sooner. But you're right. You have to do something to fill fill the gaps of, of touches because you know, we looked at our patients and when patients say just one night, overnight after a joint replacement, they were they had contact with a nurse or a therapist up to 50 times, believe it or not, wow. just in that 24 hours because nurses would come in, they would check, they would do therapy dance, right? But when patients go home a few hours after joint replacement, that goes down to about 15 touches. So how do you make up for those 40, 50 touches they're not getting? And that's where you have to use most likely some sort of technology of web-based, app-based, phone call, Zoom, or something else to keep these patients engaged. And I imagine it's a greater challenge when you've got, like you said, elderly patients who maybe aren't technologically adept and, you know, then might need somebody else to help them out with that. Then, you know, that just adds another uh, challenge to, to, the, uh, to the situation. It does make it more complicated and more challenging. And those are the exact people you don't want to fall through the crack. So as we started this conversation, the whole goal of this movement towards ASCs is, is better outcomes and fewer ER uh, readmissions and hospital readmissions. So those are the people you need to watch out for and make sure they're well taken care of. So I know you don't have a crystal ball, but you know, where do you see things going in, in the next decade for ASCs as, you know, as we've, you know, sort of seen these trends emerging? It, it will plateau at some point in terms of the number of cases, because like I said, there will always be some percentage of the population that will benefit from having surgery in the main hospital, whether it be medical comorbidities or other risks they have or complexity of surgery. So there will always be a percentage that are in the main hospital, but surgery centers uh, will continue to grow, I expect, in these upcoming few years and handful of years. I think at some point it will saturate the market so that there are only so many ASCs that can open and support themselves and that the number of cases will at some point plateau. But I think that there's still more growth to come. Excellent. Well, Dr. Sal, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Thank you, Jay. It's a pleasure. All right. That wraps up episode 52 of PSQH, the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope to join me next time. You can find more information about the show and listen on demand episodes at psqh.com. 
You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again, and stay safe.